Clear prop. Star 73 is Cherokee, number two, following twin traffic, three mile final. There's something else. One Charlie Bravo, Rakesford in runway 25, going uh, four mile final. This is Behind the Prop with United Flight Systems owner and licensed pilot Bobby Doss and his co host, major airline captain and designated pilot examiner Wally Mulhern. Now, let's go Behind the Prop. What's up, Wally? Hey, Bobby, how are you? I am fantastic as always. This is episode 119. That's almost 120 shows, Wally. That's actually pretty amazing. Um, Going on our third year, very strong into the middle of our third year, and we keep coming up with good content from people's mistakes, our mistakes, and this one is all about learning from your mistakes. We're going to talk about a lot of things that happen on the radios, a lot of things that happen during flights with instructors and things we maybe might encourage instructors to do. And then we're going to talk a little bit about what Wally sees on both check rides and in his professional aviation career. But it's all about learning from mistakes. And mistakes aren't all bad. Like some mistakes are good mistakes. And man, how much learning have you received, Wally, from making mistakes throughout your life in general? Oh, just lot, lots of um, lots of knowledge has come from making mistakes you know we we use a lot of sports references in this uh this show and it seems like tom brady comes up a lot um you know maybe the best quarterback ever but um i just imagine you think tom brady watches film of his games you think he watches film of losses you think he analyzes all that and uh, of of course, the answer is a resounding yes. He absolutely does. But um, uh, you know, when I was hired at at the airline many 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 years ago, uh, we were we were trained to not make mistakes. And uh, you know, the training was you know get this right, get this right, get this right, memorize this, learn this, know this, and. As an industry uh, worldwide, uh, we, we still kept having incidents and accidents. And uh, so a, a little bit of the philosophy of the training shifted a little bit. The, the training was, okay, our, our pilots are human. They're going to make mistakes. So maybe we teach them how to manage their mistakes. And uh, we, we called it error management. And then uh, we we said, well, how about we teach our pilots how to identify potential threats? And now now we call that threat and error management. And we, you know, at, at my airline, at the end of every flight, we debrief the flight. And it, it may not be a long debrief. I mean, we're not talking about an hour debrief, but every flight gets debriefed. And we talk about the good, bad, and the ugly. You know, and a, lot of, a lot of it's really good okay well how do we handle this this situation well we could have done this better or we could have done this differently um, but this worked out really well hey the way you did this I've never seen that technique to enter that okay that was really good and and those sort of things so we we do bring it up we don't just get off the airplane and go to the hotel yeah speaking of that um, another pilot from your airline works at the school as an assistant chief and 
the crew debrief card. I have it pulled up because he, he sent me a picture of it because I, I thought how powerful it would be for us to do the same thing as we did stage checks and other stuff. And it's what went well, what could we have done better, and, and the, the arrows on that card that I guess is in your badge or something points down to CRM and TEM skills and planning right. decision-maker. gives the captain an opportunity to talk through that. And the last thing is what will we do next time? And that's that's okay. It's not a bad thing to talk through that stuff yeah. and to realize, look, people make mistakes all the time. I joke sometimes that maybe I'm perfect, that it's solely a joke. But when people do come to me and they've made a mistake and they're scared to tell me because I'm the owner of a fly school or I'm their boss, I tell them, look, if I never made a mistake, I might be able to be angry with you, but I make just as many mistakes as well, right? Right. There's not anybody that's going to fly a perfect flight, have a perfect lesson, or execute perfect every time. So we're going to keep making mistakes. Why not learn from those mistakes? Exactly. Absolutely. So as we were preparing for this show, we talked, we kind of bu- broke it up into three buckets. Let's talk about radio mistakes first, right? And you've got a bunch from check rides and we've all seen a number of, and we've all made our own mistakes. Um, let's talk about, I know you've told a story a couple times to me about an applicant who called ground multiple times. You want to tell that story? Yeah, well, what happened is we were um, we we get in the airplane and and um, he makes the initial call and uh, he he calls up ground. And he says uh, it happened to be at Hooks Airport, Hooks Ground, um, uh, Skyhawk one two three Bravo Charlie at X Y Z Flight School. Like to taxi or takeoff VFR to the Northwest. And and while this is going on, I'm I'm kind of. Uh, Looking down at my iPad, uh, you know, entering some some things about the check ride. Well, and and maybe I'm not totally paying attention to him. I mean, I'm listening to it, but I'm not watching. Well, then I hear him say, "Hooks ground, Skyhawk, uh, one two three, Bravo, Charlie at X Y Z Flight School." Like to, and, you know, he goes through the whole thing again, and no response. Uh, so the third time I look up and I'm watching this. He makes the call again, and you can hear the the uh, frustration in his voice because he is now mad at this controller because the controller has the audacity to not answer him. And uh, the the airplane had a Garmin either a 4:30 or 5:30, and after he made that call, I see the RX light up on the 4:30 or the 5:30, whatever it happened to be, and uh, and. Uh, so this was the third time. Um, I, I finally, I finally said um, to the applicant, I said, um, I said, you know, uh, this is the third time you've called. Do you think that it's um, you're you're the problem and not him? And uh, he looked at me like I was crazy. How could and, that uh, be possible? So um, I said, you know. You're, you're, are you noticing that, and, and I, I, I did, I, this was, uh, a dis, we had discontinued a previous flight and what we needed to do was, was the air work. So this part, we, you know, the ground operation, we had already checked the boxes of earlier. And, um, so I, 
I pointed out to him, I said, you know, when ATC talks, this RX lights up. And he goes, well, I never knew that. And I said, yeah, and every time after you talked, he has answered you. I said, so you know what's coming. I said, he's, he's pissed. You're going to get yelled at now when, when you call up. I said, so we got two options. Either we shut the airplane down and come back another day, which I'm not going to be happy about, or you, you take your licks. And he goes, oh, boy. Yeah, so he took his licks. He called again, and, and uh, the ground guy came back. He goes, one, two, three, Bravo, Charlie, I've called you back three times, and I've, uh, you've uh, blocked three clearances and uh, all this and this and this. And um, so right off the bat, the guy's anxiety level is through the roof because here he is on a check ride, and he's just kind of made a, a mistake. And, and so... What I would say is if the mistake seems to keep happening, maybe you should look in the mirror. Um, I'll, I'll just tell a story about our, I remember flying a, a flight at my airline one time. This is, I don't know, five, six years ago. We're going across country, and we noticed that there was a stuck mic on the frequency. And, uh, you know, I, I said something to the first officer. said, oh, some, some bozo's got a stuck mic. And then uh, ATC was able to communicate with us. They told us to change change frequencies. So we changed frequencies. And uh, lo and behold, there was a stuck mic on this next frequency. And and I said something to the first officer. I said, hey, <laughs> that's funny. There's, there's there's stuck mic on this frequency too. And then we both looked at each other and went, oh, wait, we're the bozo. And we found the problem. And, yeah, it was us. Yeah, it's funny how many times when mistakes like that occur that it's not the other guy that we think it is or the other person right. that we think it is. It's right. it's one of us. I, I flew recently uh, with an instructor. I try to fly with everybody that works at UFS from time to time, and we were flying around. It was a good day trying to get kind of a little bit of currency for me and a few approaches in, and kind of at our second airport, I think I tuned the wrong CTAF in. Missed it by a couple digits. And I was probably overwhelmed because uh, I was shooting approaches and hadn't flown and was trying to impress them with my skills. And um, I want to say that my hand was on the knob and, and came off the knob as if to maybe even just check that I was accurate. And I was corrected. It was almost instantaneous. Like, nope, you're wrong. It's uh, 0.9 instead of 0.7. And I was like, okay, that's... Um, Thanks, you know, and I was appreciative, but as I reflect on it, I was like, man, we, we almost need to let that mistake occur. We were yeah. 30 miles from the airport we were going to. It was kind of in the secondary spot because I was still going to listen to the ATIS as I was briefing my approach and going through that. But there were clearly on the, on my iPad, I could see six planes in the pattern. If I didn't hear them a minute later, I would have known something was wrong what are your thoughts on what you think from a radio's perspective CFI should do? How long should they let that go? Like what, what is the, I don't know, professional opinion of Wally Mulhern? Yeah, that's, that's a tough call, but I will say this. I mean, uh, the, the way the industry is going, um, most CFIs, well, you know, it's not unusual to have a CFI, and I'm not banging on the CFIs one bit, but it's not unusual 
to have a CFI who maybe had never flown an airplane 18 months ago. Um, so um, I, I think, you know, I think as, as a parent, um, as we see our child doing whatever, um, you know, we see them about to make a mistake, you want to jump in so they don't make the mistake. But sometimes uh, that child can learn a whole lot more by making this, the mistake. And that's what we seem to have going on with, with radio calls uh, is, is, you know, I, I, I use the phrase getting yelled at. Um, but is getting yelled at by ground control a horrible thing? Well, it's none of us want to get yelled at or chastised over the radio, but um, it, it's probably, um, probably, if you do make that mistake, you're probably not going to make the mistake again because you're going to remember it. Um, and so what I see on check rides, because on a check ride, I'm not going to step in. I'm going to let the person fumble and uh, make the mistake. And... I feel like, for the most part, when an applicant gets chastised by ATC, um, their again their anxiety level goes through the roof. And I want to say, I mean, gosh, I, I've been yelled at so many times by ATC that it it doesn't bother me anymore. I just go, oh, yeah, sorry about that. Um, you mean you mean Captain Mulhern gets yelled at by ATC? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I got yelled at at Conroe uh, just just a couple of days ago, and uh, you know, you, you just uh, you can you can have a fight on the, over the radio, and you can go in and call them if you want, or you know, I think the probably the best way to do it is just say Roger and taxi in. <laughs> so the other side of it is maybe when the student or applicant doesn't know they're making a mistake. But we're still talking radios here. What about missed calls? So we've all been there. I, I fly, I almost fly exclusively one tail number. And so when I get in another plane, honestly, it's a little difficult for me because if I fly that same tail number all the time and I get in another plane, and I'll be, it's almost like someone calling your name that you don't hear them, right? How, how much should a CFI um, let that student? or future check check ride applicant go to make them a better pilot because there is a there's like you said you know the controller comes back and goes six six foxtrot i've called you five times are you on the radio like then i like whoa yeah six six foxtrot needs to pay attention oh wait a second that's me i'm in six six foxtrot i apologize that you know that would make you change the way you listen yeah yeah what's the right level of that i i think letting some of it go is healthy um uh, uh it's it is a little bit of a slippery slope i mean if it's a uh turn right heading zero nine zero immediately traffic twelve o'clock less than a half mile uh that probably isn't the time to let the radio call go but um you know who's who's number one at one seven right Aircraft who's number one at one seven right, say your tail number. You know, that that might be something to let go. Yeah, it's it's a, like you said, it's a slippery slope. But 
you know, you're the only plane in the pattern. You just turned crosswind to downwind. And they call you once and say you clear to land. You don't, resp- you know, the student doesn't respond. You got another mile to go. Like, you, you can wait a couple calls. But yeah. I think it does become when dangerous or even close to dangerous. Like, of course, fix or correct or solve for it. But uh, I, I think it's that same example of, you know, me flying a couple of approaches after not flying a couple of approaches for months. You know, I miss, I, I might not even have missed a radio call. I might have just hesitated to get my thoughts together right. to have that have that instructor jump in and then answer doesn't do me the good that I'm hoping to get out of that lesson or that yeah. that instruction for the day, right? Right, right. You know, there there's and you know there are some things that that I hear a lot of uh student pilots or or applicants or whatever say on check rides. And a lot of it has to do with the the lingo. I mean, I will hear um uh, pilots say, ask ATC, uh, would you repeat? And really the, the phraseology should be say again. Um, and is it a big deal? It's probably not a big deal, but over the middle of South Africa in the middle of the night, when you're talking to a controller whose native language is not English, um, maybe it is a big deal. Uh, you know, they have a limited command of English language. They know aviation language. So, uh, they're they're expecting the lingo, the phraseology, to be exactly correct. So you know we don't say repeat. We ask to say again. Um, uh, try to stay away from the the police or the army lingo. You know uh, six six truck truck traffic twelve o'clock three miles. Do you have them in sight? Uh, yeah, I have eyes on that traffic. Um, you know, that's that's kind of, I think that's Army stuff. You know, I have eyes on the <laughs> subject, whatever. Um, you know, they, they what you should say is traffic in sight. But anyway, it's, you know, it's yeah, all about. Why not be why not be right? But, but yeah, they're going to have to learn the phraseology. They're going to have to actually open up the, the terminology book. And um, it's all written down, right? If you want to be great, be great. And if right. you are going to be lazy, just know you're not going to be right in those instances. But as instructors, I think we should teach the right way and make sure we're teaching the right phraseology for sure. Yeah. So let's go part two or part the second part of this podcast, the physical items that are also interesting that maybe instructors should let happen, but then correct at different stages, right? Yeah. Um, I asked you before we started recording on a check ride or if you were instructing a family friend in your own airplane or whatever, and, and they were they were at the point where they should be managing things, would you let them leave the plane chalked? You know, you, you get the UFS and there's a plane on the side of my building with chalks on it, and the person pre-flights it all and you're standing out observing them, the front wheel's chalked, and they say, let's go get in the plane and you know it's still chalked. Are you going to let them leave it chalked, or what are you going to do? Yeah, I'm going to let them leave it chalked. And uh, the reason is, I think, I do believe that, um, you know, I could say, hey, what about the chalks? And they, they go, oh, yeah, okay. And really, um, by the time we got to the end of the runway and we're taken off, they probably will have forgotten about that. 
But if you leave it shocked and we start the engine and they try to move it and they won't move it and they realize, oh boy, I've got to shut the engine down. If it's in a Piper, they've got to make me get out of the airplane. They've got to <laughs> hop out and then they've got to go get it. And then they come back in. They they come back and they have a their tail between their legs a little bit. I guarantee they are not going to forget that. I'll, I'll tell a, a little story about this. I was doing a check ride. Um, I don't know, a, a year and a half ago, and uh, the the person left the tail tied down, and um, so we uh, we um, and it was a situation where they're out at the airplane and then they uh, needed to get some oil, so they went back to the hangar and then they came back and then they wanted to go wash their hands and then they came back, and then we're about to get ready to go, so they decide they need to go to use the restroom, so they're about four trips back and forth to the hangar as I was sitting out there uh, baking in the sun. And uh, we came out and uh, left the tail tied down. And the the irony was that um, an instructor and a student walked by us, and they saw it, and they uh, did all kinds of motions to us, waving at us, and, uh, and, and the applicant just waved back. (laughs) <laughs> and then pretty soon a, a car drove by and honked at us and did all kinds of motions, and the applicant just waved back. And then uh, we started the engine, and guess what? We didn't go anywhere. He and, thought everybody was wishing him luck. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so he, he finally said, oh, boy, I think I left the tail tied down. And, um, and so I, he got out. And untied it, and and I jokingly said, "I wonder if that's why everybody is waving at us." And he he goes, "Oh yeah, yeah." Mm. I was wondering they've they've never done that like that because they were waving passionately. <laughs> well, I tell this story quite a bit. You know, I I took I was probably a eighty hour pilot. Took a couple friends to Galveston. We ate at the beach and came back to the airport. Jumped in the plane. And of course, did the pre-flight, jumped in it, started it, tried to go. Plane wouldn't go. We didn't have no chocks. And I was like, golly, I left that tail tied down. Just just completely embarrassed with these two buddies of mine in the plane. And I say, I've flown a lot at night. I've been all over the United States in a single-engine prop plane that's been tied down. I have only done it once because yep. that one time was so memorable and yeah. so embarrassing that yeah. I probably check the tail 50 times, you know, yeah. it's, it's more important than fuel Wally just cause I don't want to leave the tail tied down anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. about fuel caps. What if, what if, what if an instructor sees that a student left the fuel cap off? Is that, is that a, let's quick, quickly fix it. Or is that, do we let that one go? Yeah, that's, that's a tough one that, um, and I'll, I'll tell on myself, I was getting my seaplane rating up in, in, Anch- uh, Fairbanks, Alaska, um, five, six years ago. And uh, uh, we were in a 172, and the, the airplane was beached um, facing out. And uh, they, we didn't have fuel trucks. What the, the way they fuel the airplanes up there is you put five-gallon fuel cans out there, and the, the fuel truck comes up and fills up these cans. So to put 30 gallons of fuel in that airplane takes uh, six cans. And it's a uh, it's a very labor-intensive thing because you got to walk out on the 
on the float. You got to, you know, put the, uh, lift, lift the gas can up, put five gallons in and come back, get another one. You got to do that six times. And through all of that going on, I, I left a, a gas cap off. And, uh, um, you know, my instructor was sitting over there and I don't think it was six gas cans. It was probably four, probably 20 gallons. Um, but I mean, I was worn out and, uh, I just, the guy's name was Tom trainer. Um, he, that's a pretty good name for an instructor. It is. It is Tom trainer though, the pilot trainer, um, actually a chemistry professor at university of Alaska Fairbanks. Um, super nice guy, but, um, he just, uh, he says, why don't, why don't we give the airplane one last look over from behind? And when he said that, you know, right off the bat, I thought, oh God, he is, that is code for Hey idiot, you missed something. And I immediately looked back up and that's when I, I realized that the best vantage point to see the wing is from the back of the airplane because you can see everything from the back of a 172. And sure enough, there's one of the gas caps just laying there with, thank goodness, it had a little chain on it because it would have been in the in the little canal. And I went, oops. So I went back and, and put the gas cap on. You know, and that, that's a disadvantage of a, a, a high wing, a Cessna. You, you're in the airplane, you don't know. At least on a, a low wing, you can look out and you can see. Yeah, one of our instructors, it's probably been oh, maybe two years now, um, tells a story where he was doing a PAR-61 stage check. And student, as we all know, there's some nerves involved and did the pre-flight, started the plane. And the instructor just kept, I guess one tip is if the instructor asks you like 15 times, is everything good? It's probably not going to be good. Right. But kept asking him, is things good? Is everything good? And they did. And this is in a 172. So the pedo cover is not too far from the pilot, but he kept saying, is everything good? And he tells the story, the pedo cover was still on the aircraft. So they have now taxied to the run-up area. They have done the run-up area. They have been cleared to go to the hold short line at the run at the runway. And they get to the, the hold short. And he says, are you sure everything's good? This, again, this is a stage check pilot is confident how you don't see that big red thing flapping in the wind next to you is, is still beyond me but um they pull out on the runway and the student gives the full power and he tells them to abort and they just taxi on down the runway and they exit and he's like you you left the pedo cover on right and i think that's an appropriate level of mistake making right to be able yeah. to to let that go for a while but how many times do you think that guy takes pedo covers off now? How many times do you think he looks out that window and looks at that pedo tube to make sure there's no red sock over that thing? Yeah, definitely. Often. I, uh, uh, all the time. All the time. Yeah, I, um, um, I I had the pleasure, I guess you will say, of taking off in a 150. Um, this is a long time ago with a CFI candidate. Um, I wasn't an examiner. I was just the instructor. And uh, we took off with a rudder gust lock installed. And mm. um, uh, we, there's particular flight school, we had these rudder gust locks in these airplanes, and we never used them. Um, so it was something that was kind of not on our radar screen, but whoever flew the airplane before us felt the need to use it. And uh, 
uh, yeah, we were climbing out and, and, and he said, oh, this airplane just isn't flying right. And, uh, and I said, well, let me see. And I, I felt the rudders and I looked back and I said, well, it might have something to do with that big remove before flight flag that's flapping behind us. <laughs> and, uh, so we, we kind of wiggled the rudders and got the gust lock to come out and landed in somebody's front yard, probably <laughs> with this big flag that said remove before flight. Hopefully not in a windshield. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the big question I think the listeners want to know, Wally, is is how far do you let mistakes go on check rides? What's okay? What's not fail-worthy, et cetera? But even before that, I, one of the best stories that I know you've told many times is someone maybe squawking an altimeter setting or something like that. Yeah, yeah. We um, uh, If you've listened to – to many of our episodes you've heard this story but um this was funny and um uh uh just i don't know it 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 it's a mistake but we were doing a instrument check ride and we were doing uh three approaches at three different airports we had done the first one we had done the second one and we were going missed approach on this one and going to fly back and land at airport number 3 and uh, the, the check ride up to this point was pretty much flawless. I, I tell people on an instrument check ride, the best compliment that I can give you at the end of the day is it was a very boring flight for me. And this was this was pretty boring. And so we go missed approach at airport number two. And uh, Tower says, uh, okay, contact approach 119.7. He calls up approach 119.7. He says, uh, you know, Cessna or uh, whatever uh, uh, Skyhawk one two three Bravo Charlie missed approach climbing out of one thousand two hundred for two thousand and uh, the approach guy said one two three Bravo Charlie uh, hooks altimeter three zero one four and uh, the applicant just uh, said uh, Roger three zero one four and and he he knew it needed to be entered somewhere and the first thing he saw was a transponder so he types in 3014 in in the transponder and i just remember looking at it thinking oh wow well what now and um um i i actually said something to him i said well that's that's an interesting technique we're squawking the altimeter and he looks at me and goes oh boy um uh, he says, what were we squawking before? I said, I, I don't know. And he goes, he says, well, I, I guess I better say something to approach. And I go, yeah, that'd probably be a good idea. So he calls up approach and he says, approach, uh, uh, Skyhawk one, two, three, Bravo, Charlie. Um, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm squawking the altimeter. And the approach controller was, was so cool about it. He goes, Yes, sir. I see that. It's no problem. You're cleared for the approach. Um, but <laughs> there, was, yeah, that was that was a you know a mistake. And uh, at the end of the day, we laughed about it. And uh, occasionally, I see this guy, and and I always bring it up, and he he tells me to shut up, and and uh, and, and we have a not a best way. practice necessarily, yeah. but a good way to remember the squat. The I mean, the altimeter setting. If you yeah. don't have a pen and paper, yeah, 
Yeah. So I, I guess, you know, what are we at, at the end of the day, we're talking to CFIs and we're saying, how far should you let it go? Um, you know, it's your kid is learning to ride a two wheel bicycle. Do you let your kid fall? I don't know. Some parents are going to say, yeah, and some parents no. I mean, if they're going to fall and, and hurt their head, absolutely not. Um, but I, I remember um, somebody talking to me about being a parent, and they said, about being a parent, they said, you have to pick your battles with kids. Um, if your kid wants the green sippy cup rather than the red sippy cup, is it okay to switch them out and give them the green sippy cup? That's probably a battle not worth fighting for. Your kid doesn't want to wear their shoulder harness in their car seat. Is that something you're going to fight for? Absolutely, it's something you're going to fight for. And I think as CFIs, we need to let the applicant, or let the student, as a CFI, they're going to be students, but let the students make some mistakes. And, um, you know, if it causes ATC to yell at them, well, it might be good for them. Maybe we need to thicken up our skin. Well, the recent flight with me and a CFI, um, I was a dot deflection off on the, on the glide slope. And I think the flight was great. So if they're listening and this is not me knocking you, but I thought one dot being corrected at the one dot was kind of a little early. Um, I'm not a flight instructor. I've not been trained to be a flight instructor, but I think one dot of deflection on glide slope or left or right on the approach course, that's probably the opportunity for the, the pilot to learn something, right? Yeah. Um, full deflection, someone trying to recover is, is an unsafe thing. It's like in the book that, you know, you should go missed. That's understandable. But if I'm one dot off on the glide slope and the instructor saying, get down, get down, get down, that's probably going to be less opportunistic for me to learn, right? I might, what am I going to do when I'm out there by myself and I'm a dot off and no one's telling me, am I going to, am I going to get in a, in a situation where am I going to recover? I don't know that I know if I'm always corrected. So there is some balance there for sure. And I like your analogy about kids, but I, I think one dot, you let them, you let them get to two and then you maybe say something, but and maybe you let them go full deflection and go missed and do it again. Yeah. You want to make sure that they know what they're doing. Right. I, you know, I, I, I get, I get the look so many times on check rides and I, I brief this, I brief this at length. I tell people, look, I am an observer. Okay. Don't think of me as a pilot. If we, now if we get into an emergency situation, I said, the check ride's going to be over, and we're going to do our best to get the airplane on the ground safely. But under normal circumstances, I am an observer. And I tell them, I said, you may look over at me like, what do you want me to do? And I may just look back at you and go, I don't know. And I know some people have never gotten that feedback from their instructor. Sometimes the instructors are just a little bit too close to, to jump in and save the day. And yeah, I mean, if boy, if, if, um, 
if we're about to land on the long, wrong runway or 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 something like that i mean uh you know uh for uh, here's an example okay we we go misapproach and we're going to another airport and they uh they they forget to retract the flaps um you know is 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 that something to let go i think it is i've flown a long way with flaps with flaps down 10 10 degrees because my instructors never corrected me and i i've learned from that right yeah now why why are we going so slow yeah you you may throw things out there like wow this seems to be some vibrations that we normally don't have yeah that's only only 85 knots that's interesting you know, and, and a lot of times it just goes right over the applicant or the student's head. They'll just go, yeah, it's not f- flying fast today. Well, gee, what's what's going on? I'll tell one funny story, and I think it kind of wraps up the whole show, and I wasn't even thinking about sharing this, but um, on two separate occasions recently, um, we have a full motion simulator at United Flight Systems, and... I, I sit kind of close to it. My office is really kind of close to it. And an instructor said, oh, I'm going to have to cancel the sim session. It was a rainy day. They were going to do some session, but none of the avionics would work. And I was like, man, that's terrible. I hate that the sim's broken, that the avionics don't work. And while you and I talk about this all the time, it, it, it's this younger generation where it's never their fault. It's always the other. It's the equipment's fault always, right? But right. the avionics would work. And so they scrubbed the flight. You know, they'd already had the sim on for point two, and, you know, school eats the point two, and they go back, and I'm like, I'm going to troubleshoot this thing. So I go in, and it takes, takes a long time to get the sim kind of up and going, and I got it up and going and jump in, and sure enough, the avionics wouldn't work. And I kind of just went through my checks, and someone had pulled the avionic circuit breaker in the simulator that's got the same circuit breakers that planes do so they must have been simulating a failure in the last flight and the circuit breaker had been pulled so they couldn't get the 530s to come on i'm like golly all we gotta do is pre-flight this thing but we get a little lazy in a simulator because it's a simulator and we don't go through all that shutdown and pre-flight stuff so i was frustrated and here we are month, month fast forward and same instructor is in the simulator and they can't start the plane. And I'm like, this is not realistic. Like planes run. This is a simulator. Like it's got to be something obvious that we're missing here. The starter is working, the prop spinning. Nope. It's just a simulator. And I almost fell into the exact same trap. Wally, the, the prop was turning. It would turn over blah, 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 and then stop. Any thoughts Wally, on what you would have done in that situation in a simulator, your new home yeah. simulator guy, like what would you have looked at first? It sounds like fuel. Sounds like fuel because you need gas. You need you need gas. You yeah. need air, and you need spark. Right? G A S. You need those three things. So I had the turning over. I had the spark. I'm pretty sure. And I, I looked, and I'm like, the fuel tanks are fuel full. The, the everything was work. Everything was on. I was like, golly, this is so frustrating. So we were about to go, and I looked at the floor. And what's on the floor of all Cessnas? Yeah. Close to the floor. Fuel shutoff valve. 
the instructor before them must have reached down there and flipped that thing to off and had a little engine failure. And that was the, probably the end of the last sim session. Right. But they didn't yeah. clean it up. Right. And I was like, are you, sh-? and, and of course I'm so excited that I found it. Yeah. I'm like, have you checked everything? This is my only opportunity to pretend to be a flight instructor. I'm like, have you checked everything? Yeah. I said, well, I guess we're just going to have to scrub this. Before you scrub it, you mind reaching down there and grabbing that fuel switch and turning it to both real quick? And they were like, oh, my gosh. And it was fun for me, but it is kind of that mindset that we're all in nowadays that surely it couldn't be me making this mistake. But how many times do you think they'll ever have trouble starting the sim again? Yeah, never, never. never. And and I will say this with the airline. I mean, we have just an extensive uh, maintenance uh, support network. Uh, basically anywhere we fly, we have maintenance on staff. All we got to do is get on the radio and call them. And usually within minutes, they're out there to the airplane. And then we, we do an electronic, uh, write up through, through the electronic system we have in the airplane. But anyway, um, I, I will, I will say this, you know, flying long haul stuff. Most of the, my flights, we have at least three pilots, um, sometimes four, um, so there's, there's four, three or four sets of eyes up on the flight deck most of the time. And, you know, being at a, an airline for, for many, many years, you know, we've all made the call to maintenance and they come out and they go, well, turn the switch on. And you, you look up and there's a switch that normally is on, but for whatever reason today it's off, or maybe it is a circuit breaker. Um, so now before with four we four pros with four pros looking at yeah it, right? and before we we call maintenance you know it's like okay the 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 flux capacitor isn't working all right what are we missing I mean that is our first thought at least mine you know we all look around like okay are we missing anything before we pick up this mic and get get maintenance to come out here no yeah our circuit breakers are in everything is on. Okay. All right. Let's make the call then. So, you know, over the years, because of, of being a little bit embarrassed and, and our maintenance guys are really good. They'll come out and they'll just say, yeah, flip, flip that switch on and maybe it'll work. If you turn it on. So. Well, we've all been there. We've all made those mistakes. And I think that's kind of the theme of the show is we do learn from our mistakes. Flight instructors, the, the more that you can balance the fixing, the correcting, the coaching, you know, let, let students make mistakes. They're going to learn more from those mistakes than if the, if you just correct those mistakes. I think we talked a lot about the radios and some of those, those simple pieces. The one thing I will say we missed that I just saw in my notes, Wally, is that, uh, that Piper and that door getting closed. You, you've, you've brought it up a lot, right? Flight instructors, you got to let the pilot close the door. They may never have experience without an instructor in the plane, but the first time they solo, they got to close the door. The first time they're on a check ride, they got to close the door. So let the let the pilot close the door on a Piper if they've got just one door on the on the co-pilot side, because the DP is going to make them close it. And the first time they take their wife, girlfriend, brother, sister, husband, they got to close that door too. So give them that shot to make that experience happen for for once for sure and i guess just let them learn from their mistakes and if you do that we're gonna make better pilots and as always fly safely and stay behind the prop 
Thanks for checking out the Behind the Prop podcast. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out online at BehindTheProp.com. Behind the Prop is recorded in Houston, Texas. Creator and host is Bobby Doss. Co-host is Wally Mulhern. The show is for entertainment purposes only and is not meant to replace actual flight instruction. Thanks for listening and remember, fly safe.